There are two deaths with which the sons of Adam must come to terms. The world's first concept of death is unveiled in Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Death is not oblivion. Death is a separation from God who is life. Sin separates man from God. An example of death not being oblivion is the account in Luke sixteen nineteen through 31 of the rich man in hell. The rich man's eyes, tongue, and brain are all in the rich man's tomb returning to dust. Yet in hell, you'll find this account in Luke sixteen twenty three through 24. And, he, and in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. The rich man had died the first death, the end of his mortal existence, and today, this very day, he is in hell, awaiting the great white throne judgment where he will be cast into the lake of fire, the completion of the second death, which will last for all eternity. Death is not oblivion, but a total separation from God and all that is good. No light, no love, no life, just cognizant eternal punishment. Consider Revelation 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he, that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Revelation twenty fourteen and 15, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It was once and still is, to much extent, asserted in neuroscience that when an individual is brain dead, all of that individual's thoughts and all of his knowing ends. But that dam of unbelief is beginning to crack. Studies of thousands of near-death experiences, including that of those pronounced clinically dead and then revived, are causing a change of scientific minds. Michael Shermer of the Camp of the Ungodly had this to say in Scientific America's July 17 issue under the title, Who Are You? This idea of part of consciousness leaving the body after death to travel to a new plane is not too far afield from a real theory called quantum consciousness proffered by a wide range of people from physicist Roger Penrose to physician Deepak Chopra. Some versions hold that our mind is not strictly a product of our brain and that consciousness exists separately from material substance, so the death of your physical body is not the end of your conscious existence. End of quote. Surely there is full consciousness after the grave, even one that can suffer eternal torment. Today's decisions dictate the outcome of your life, both in the present and eternally. Have you been born again? Will today be the day your own name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life? 
Is today the day all your sin and shame is erased and all Satan's bondage is broken? You are in the valley of decision, a decision that dictates your eternity. Follow the next prompt. Are you ready? Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the glorious kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, Genesis 5, verse 3, verse 6, verse 9, And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years, and begat a son in his own likeness after his image, and called his name Seth. And Seth lived a hundred and five years, and begat Enos. And Enos lived ninety years, and begat Canaan. Man said, There was a big explosion, and theoretically, nothing exploded into everything. Makes sense, doesn't it? Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 936, that will once again certify the full, miraculous inerrancy of God's Holy Bible. All of these marvelous features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the edification of the faithful and as a platform from which to reach the fallen sons and daughters of Adam. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. God's peace be multiplied unto you. The mind of much of this world, and especially its academics, is bound up by the deceivableness of unrighteousness. Because they have refused to retain God in their knowledge, they have been given over to a reprobate mind, a deviant, worthless one. Romans 1, 21 through 28. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. The God of today's carnal educators is called evolution. Foundational to evolution, without this which evolution could not exist, is the doctrine of uniformitarianism. Uniformitarianism declares that the present is the key to the past, and that the Earth's geologic history has proceeded at a very uniform rate similar to what is observed today. 
approaching the apparent geological facts from the position of unbelief turns everything upside down. Instead of the earth and its universe being just over 6,000 years old, the age offered is in the billions. Students of the Word of God understand that two major global events took place in the past that were certainly not uniform. If you arrived on earth seven days after creation began, you would assume the earth had history when it had none. Had you come upon the apple tree laden with fruit, you would have assumed history, but other than four days, there was none. Had you encountered Adam and Eve, you would have assumed history, yet they were only one day old. Imagine, Adam didn't witness God's creative handiwork during the first five days and part of the sixth day of creation. Adam had no way of knowing how God did it. He had to take him for his word. Obviously, the creation of the earth and its universe, including all life forms, in six 24-hour days would not be considered uniform. The second global event that blows the doctrine of uniformitarianism out of the water is the global flood in the days of Noah that destroyed all living creatures that had the breath of life in its nostrils with the exception of those upon the ark. Empirical data supporting this global earth-changing flood is truly staggering. Fish fossils on every mountain peak, flood strata covering three-quarters of the earth, over 500 ancient and mostly extra-biblical societal accounts, the vast majority of all fossils buried as a result of water action, and just so much more. But because carnal academia begins their approach to the facts in the spirit of the deceivableness of unrighteousness, the only conclusions they derive can only be delusional. The foundation of uniformitarianism is truly sinking sand. When facts and not theories are presented, the evolutionists are left bewildered and red-faced. Before we review science's, uh, science's latest young earth discovery, let's review a few previously highlighted here. God said, man said, genetic biology in 6,000 years again. In the September 2012 issue of Acts and Facts, science writer Brian Thomas wrote concerning the age of man and the earth under the title, a recent explosion of human diversity. Several paragraphs follow. Everyone should know that the cosmos was created. It also stands to reason that those who listened to Moses and the prophets, as Jesus said, should be able to see more specific evidence of biblical creation, including scientific discoveries. One such evidence is human genetic diversity, which leaves evolutionary history in a quagmire while confirming a straightforward interpretation of Genesis. The research team investigated the amount of diversity among today's human genes and how long it took to reach the current amount of diversity. They concluded that human genes diversified recently. The authors wrote, The maximum likelihood time for accelerated growth was 5,115 years ago. This is a tiny fraction, two-tenths of a percent, of the 2.4 million years of humanity that evolutionists suppose. The explosion of human genetic diversity has occurred in parallel with and because of human population growth. With each new person comes another opportunity for DNA differences to arise, either by design genetic shuffling processes or mutations. For example, if the evolutionary timeline is true, 
and human population growth and genetic diversity were miraculously unchanged for a few million years before suddenly exploding in just the last few thousand years. In short, why does the human genetic diversity data fit so well with biblical creation? Evolutionary theory provides no real answer to what caused the radical bottleneck in the worldwide human population at that time, whereas the Bible teaches that it was Noah's flood. This genetic study confirms Moses and the prophets. Both science and scripture show that humans have multiplied and diversified within the past 5,100 years, end of quote. The headline in the December 29, 2012 issue of Science News reads, Human Diversity's Recent Explosion. The subhead reads, Most genetic var uh, variation came about in last 5,000 years. End of quote. The more science looks into the invisible, the more the facts shout yes to God's holy Bible. One more piece of genetic data demonstrating a recent creation comes from ICR scientist Dr. Nathaniel Jensen, who examined the mutation rates of DNA in the cell's mitochondria. The mitochondria is a small organella that resides outside the cell's nucleus. Mitochondria contains its own DNA molecule separate from a creature's main genome. Mitochondrial DNA is typically inherited from the creature's mother, and its mutation rates can accurately be measured to produce a molecular genetic clock. By comparing rates in a uh, few very different animals, Dr. Jensen demonstrated that a creation of not more than 10,000 years ago is confirmed by these genetic clocks. The results of these genetic studies fit perfectly with the predictions of a young Earth creation time frame, but make no sense when millions of years are added to the mix. The clocks simply cannot have been ticking that long. Now consider this headline from the May 2013 issue of Acts and Facts. Is mankind getting dumber? Several paragraphs written by science writer Brian Thomas follow. Do today's children have lower IQs than yesterday's? Yes, according to measurements of intellectual and emotional strength gathered from different countries and contexts. The results show the same basic decline and resist the notion that public or other forms of education are to blame. Could the cause instead lie within? Stanford University professor Gerald Crabtree thinks so. Thinks so. He published a pair of essays in the journal Trends in Genetics, citing new discoveries that show why the human intellect is surprisingly fragile. This biblical creation-friendly notion didn't sit well with the authors of a rebuttal paper who countered that the human intellect is robust. What lies at the heart of this disagreement? Bad science or bad assumptions? Crabtree identified two fundamental processes as the main culprits. First, human intelligence uses neurons, and these cells can only function properly if their genes stay in top shape. Second, these genes are susceptible to degradation. This loss of organization occurs continually as mutations slowly, irreversibly garble genes, and the resulting errors pile up and are not corrected. Each new generation accrues about 60 new mutations to the gene-coding DNA regions of the human genome. Crabtree applied this rate to calculate that every 20 to 50 generations, we should sustain a mutation in one copy of one of our many ID genes. As a result, 
in the past 3,000 years, uh, each of us should have accumulated, at the very least, 2.5 to 6 mutations in ID genes. Accordingly, the human intellect perhaps reached a peak 2,000 to 6,000 years ago. This appears to confirm three lessons that can be drawn from the Bible. First, Adam and Eve's brains were originally very good. Second, we had our best brains about 6,000 years ago. Third, humanity has suffered genetic degradation since then under the curse. End of quote. God said, man said, Satan's champions inadvertently certify holy writ. God said, according to the Bible's genealogical math and certain clear chronological markers, that the earth is just over 6,000 years old. Here, reluctantly, comes science. When the bodies of the last Russian Tsar, Nicholas II, and his family were exhumed and lab-tested, scientists were shocked. When DNA testing was done, the mutation rates occurred at a much faster rate than imagined. Anne Gibbons, in a feature in Science, wrote this, Regardless of the cause, evolutionists are most concerned about the effect of a faster mutation rate. For example, researchers have calculated that mitochondrial Eve, the woman whose mtDNA was ancestral to that in all living people, lived 100,000 to 200,000 years ago in Africa. Using the new clock, she would be a mere 6,000 years old. End of quote. God said, man said feature, Noah's Ark, boarding now. The following information is from an article titled Time, Life, and History in the Light of 25,000 Radiocarbon Dates. When carbon-14 dating is correctly calibrated and 25,000 radiocarbon dates are graphed, the results show evidence of a great peak of death about 4,000 years ago. Noah and the flood happened just over 4,300 years ago, end of quote. God said, man said, feature language in 6,000 years. They always end up here. According to the Scientific American, a May 2016 issue, nearly half of the world's population, presently speaking in over 400 languages, finds the one common root of their language in a mother language called Proto-Indo-European, or Pi. The title of the feature, written by M. Balter, is Language Wars. An info brief at the beginning of the feature reads, Nearly half the world's population speaks one of the languages derived from a single ancient tongue dubbed Proto-Indo-European, or Pi. Linguists have long argued that Pi first spread from the vast steppes of Central Asia to Europe some 6,000 to 5,000 years ago. An alternative hypothesis posits that Pi spread some 8,000 years ago from what is now Turkey after the introduction of agriculture into those regions, end of quote. Keep in mind when reading the excerpts that follow uh, from the feature that evolutionists claim two and a half million years of evolution, uh, yet the spread of language begins just thousands of years ago. Again from Scientific American. Everyone agrees on one key point. The Indo-European languages descend from a common ancestor, a mother tongue called Proto-Indo-European or Pi. But as to why this particular language produced so many linguistic offspring or where it originated, there is no accord. Researchers have fallen into two warring camps. 
One camp, which includes the majority of traditional linguists, argues that Central Asian nomads who invented the wheel and domesticated the horse spread the mother tongue throughout Europe and Asia beginning about 6,000 years ago. In the early 20th century, German prehistorian Gustav Kozina proposed that a group of Central European settlers who created intricate who created excuse me intricately engraved pottery called corded ware starting 5000 years ago were in fact the first indo-europeans kozina argued that they later spread out of what is today germany carrying their language with them in 1989 david anthony began working in russia ukraine and kazakhstan focusing on horse teeth that had been early earlier excavated by soviet archaeologists Anthony and his colleagues confirmed previous suggestions that there was bit wear on the teeth and it dated as early as 6,000 years ago, pushing back the earliest evidence for horse domestication and horse riding by about 2,000 years. Their studies also provided evidence to leak several technological developments, including the use of wheeled vehicles such as chariots to, uh, to the Amnea people. Uh, these finds supported the idea that the step a pastoralist had the necessary transportation and technology to fan out rapidly from their homeland and spread their language in all directions. Moreover, although Gray and Atkinson found that the initial spread of pie tracked the spread of farming, they also detected a second divergence 6,500 years ago, which led to the Romance, Celtic, and Balto-Slavic languages. The Anatolian and steppe hypothesis need not be mutually exclusive, they concluded. End of quote. God said, man said feature Noah's Ark. The headline in the June 15, 2013 issue of Science News reads, Europeans are one big family. And the subhead reads, DNA finds common ancestry about 30 generations back. A few paragraphs follow. Virtually every person living in Europe today shares a common set of ancestors that lived about 1,000 years ago, Peter Ralph and Graham Coop of the University of California Davis reported on May 7th in Plaus Biology. What's really surprising is just how closely related Europeans and likely all people in the world are, Coop says. In the past, mathematical analysis have concluded that everyone on the globe shares not a single ancestor, but a complete set of ancestors who lived about 3,000 years ago, end of quote. The headline at uh, searchforthetruth.net reads, Goat, Sheep, Match Biblical Record. The following paragraphs are from that feature. Tracking the DNA lineage of all humans back to an original source has revealed that all humans originally came from a single woman and a single man. This is no surprise to Christians who were told this thousands of years ago in the first chapters of the Bible. It has just taken modern science 6,000 years to catch up with what God told us in his book. But we have also traced the lineage of other creatures. For instance, DNA testing has now revealed that all living goats are descended from five original female goats and all living sheep are descended from three or four original females. But why multiple original pairs and not from one single goat or sheep pair? Once again, the Bible has the answer. Noah was told to take seven pairs of each type of clean animal on board the ark in order to have animals for sacrifice 
after the flood receded. These animals may also have been needed to provide food and clothing as the earth was repopulated with plants and animals. Thus, in the case of sheep and goats, we would not expect all modern breeds to be traced back to only one pair, but something less than seven pairs. Apparently, Noah sacrificed or ate two pairs of goats and two or three pairs of sheep. All the sheep and goats in the world today descended from the remaining animals. The test results exactly match what would be expected if the Bible and the worldwide flood were to be understood as literal historical reality. The Bible is the only true accurate source of truth for such ancient historical knowledge, end of quotes. Just over 4,300 years ago, Noah boarded the ark, an event that took place 1,656 years from the day Adam opened his eyes, end of quotes. The headline in the January 19, 2019 issue of Science News reads, Oldest Known Plague Case Found. And the subhead reads, Diseases Origin Traced Back to At Least 5,000 Years in Europe. Keep, in, uh, keep this in mind that after Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, the law of sin and death, that's when it began to reign. Excerpts from Science News follow. A long-dead Scandinavian woman has yielded bacterial DNA showing that she contracted the earliest known case of the plague in humans. DNA extracted from the woman's teeth comes from a newly identified and the oldest yet found strain of Yersinia pestis, the bacterium that causes plague, researchers report online December 6 in Cell. The woman's bones, which date from 5,040 to 4,867 years ago, were unearthed nearly 20 years ago in a mass grave at an ancient farming site in Sweden. Comparisons of the Y. pestis strain with other ancient and modern strains suggest that an early plague epidemic emerged more than 5,000 years ago in densely populated farming communities in Eastern Europe and what is today Moldova, Romania, and Ukraine. Then the plague spread elsewhere via trade routes. Evolutionary geneticist uh, Simon Rasmussen of the University of Copenhagen and colleagues conclude that ancient epidemic apparently contributed to sharp population declines in Europe that began by at least the time of the Scandinavian woman's teeth. DNA comparisons let the researchers calculate that the Scandinavian woman's plague strain is the oldest Y. pestis variant identified so far, based on a statistical model on how the bacterium evolved. The scientists estimate that the strain probably diverged from other Y. pestis forms around 5,700 years ago. A Eurasian plague variant previously dated to between 4,800 and 3,700 years ago, the oldest known until now, originated about 5,300 years ago, the team calculates. A form of the plague ancestral to present-day strains probably emerged in East Asia around 5,100 years ago, end of quotes. In Appendix B of the Annals of the World, which was a large tome written by Bishop Usher in the 1600s, it was revised and updated by Larry and Marion Pierce, and in it you'll find the following. In preparing this work, Usher first made the assumption that the Bible was the only reliable source document of chronological information for the time periods covered in the Bible. 
In fact, before the Persian Empire, very little is known about Greek, Roman, and Egyptian history or the history of other nations. Much rests on speculation and myths. Dates in secular history become more certain with the founding of the media Persian Empire. For events before this time, Usher relied solely on the data from the Bible to erect his historical framework. He chose the death of Nebuchadnezzar as a reliable date to anchor all the earlier biblical dates to. Hence, working backward from that date, he ended up with his date for creation of October 23, 4004 B.C., end of quote. The date of October 23, 4000 B.C. is according to the Julian calendar. According to the Gregorian calendar, still used today, and according to Usher, the beginning of time is Sunday, September 21, 4004 B.C. Now add the year since our Lord Jesus Christ, and you have an earth just over 6,000 years of age. End of quote. Instant replay. Just think about these years I'm going to read to you. Genetic diversity, all in the past 5,115 years. Comparing DNA mutation rates confirms a beginning that could not exceed 10,000 years ago. Our best brains peaked 2,000 to 6,000 years ago. Using the new mtDNA clock and mitochondrial Eve could have been a mere 6,000 years ago. Peak of death, 4,000 years ago. Over 400 languages resulted from one common language, 6,000 to 5,000 years ago. Sophisticated pottery, first developed 5,000 years ago. Horse domestication, as early as 6,000 years ago. Farming developed 6,500 years ago. Common ancestors, 3,000 years ago. Noah's goats, just over 4,300 years ago. The world's oldest known plague, 5,700 years ago. And this is just a sampling. They always end up here. When facts speak and not theories founded in the deceivableness of unrighteousness, God's 6,000-year-old earth and its universe simply is. God's word is true and righteous altogether and a place to build a life that will last forever. God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, Genesis chapter 5, verse 3, verse 6, verse 9, And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years, and begat a son in his own likeness after his image, and called his name Seth. And Seth lived a hundred and five years, and begat Enos. And Enos lived ninety years, and begat Canaan. Man said, There was a big explosion, and theoretically, nothing exploded into everything. Makes sense, doesn't it? Now you have the record.